Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am really excited to have Melissa Adawan from Roya here, who's going to be talking to us about this great company on a great mission, um, and you guys are going to get so much from it. So, Melissa, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me and having social media connect us. I love that part of social media. There are definitely pros and cons, and I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And like we did, we just connected over IG. And I, you know, I think that people just kind of forget that it's called social media. Like we're supposed to have real life conversations with people and be actually social. So I'm glad that we got to be very social. Um, And now you're on the show chatting about your story. 100%. 100%. Can you talk to us a little bit about Roya? Uh, What exactly is your company and who are you for? Yeah. So my company didn't start out as a company, actually. It started out as a grant project that spiraled into a company that people just kept asking for the product. So essentially two years ago, fall of 2018, it started by a mission of building community in Cincinnati. And um, this was really to tell the immigrant story. So I'm a first generation Turkish American immigrant. And based off of the headlines that I've seen just like throughout my childhood and my life, especially with Middle Eastern immigrants, the headlines were majority negative. And so I wanted to give a piece of home away from home and have people, you know, that I have in my second home here in Cincinnati, a taste of like that culture and that warmth and that hospitality that I experienced every time I went back for the summers to visit my family. So the grant essentially was three months in Finley Market, which is like, it's like every, I feel like every like kind of big city has like this like marketplace, like the Boston Market or like Chelsea Market in New York. And so just think of that, but like a smaller scale in Cincinnati. And so I essentially had a storefront and I transformed it to be like my grandma's living room. Like literally you felt like you stepped into like a Turkish household. You had the low seatings, you had the Turkish carpet on the wall, you had the evil eyes, you had, you know, like the plush, like bright colors. Like, so that was, I think, something very different, especially for something in Cincinnati. And I just served Turkish coffee, literally like me and my mom, just how we make it at home with the e-brick. So like, it was super like, like it's a copper pot with a long handle and it's just like not the usual way that you make coffee, but it's actually the first brewing method. Um, so there was a lot of culture and history and, and storytelling that went along with it. And I think that experience just like caused people to talk, especially with the fortune telling. So when you drink Turkish coffee, the tradition is that you get your fortune told from the coffee grounds because it's unfiltered. So that kind of just spiraled into me selling coffee bags and then me creating a Turkish coffee dark chocolate and now we have a gelato and a beer coming out. So it all just started with me and my mom serving Turkish coffee and being like, we're immigrants, we're good people. <laughs> like, Don't believe the headlines and don't forget to keep dreaming um, because Rui actually translates to dream and we stand for the immigrant dream 
we, we know when we're dreamed together, we're stronger as a community and we create more empathy for each other. So that's, that's kind of like the full mission and the full story, like in two minutes, three minutes, I don't know how long I've done, but there obviously a lot went into that in the two years, but yeah, that, that's about that. <laughs> that's such a beautiful story though, because first of all, it's like really addressing this need almost of like cultural education in a way. And of course that comes through with food and drink. Like, of course that is so deeply rooted in, in people's culture. And I love how you built this like all around experience for people to really be welcomed into the home and experience what you're offering. That's such a beautiful way to showcase what you guys are doing and you know, sell great products, yes, but probably transform a lot of people's beliefs and give a lot of people that dream as well from, from yeah. the immigrant side, which I love. Someone, someone said recently to me, I was having a conversation about this and they're like, you like welcome them in with something that's so easy to be enticed by coffee. Like a lot of people drink coffee. People want to experience the fortune telling, even if they don't want coffee, but then you curveball it with something serious, like immigration policy or something. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, you're like, come, come, like, welcome chocolate coffee. And then you're like, but really like, <laughs> seriously that makes so much sense like no it's really people are like heavy topic what's a better way to get people to have a heavy topic conversation than like bring them in with something light that they're gonna love and they're gonna enjoy and you've been able to to do that which is really really smart and I think really I don't know needed um in a lot of different ways right yeah and to be honest like I never like when you say when people say this is smart or this is strategic like it wasn't there was no strategy I was just like I want to do this I want like a piece of my home in Cincinnati and I didn't see it and I just created it and I didn't Mm -hmm. think people would keep asking for it after it closed I didn't plan for like it beyond the three months, but I think you just, you don't focus that far ahead long-term. I think you just focus on the now and like, what's the next step. And then eventually two years later, you're in stores. Like, right. <laughs> and, and then two years later, so, somehow now you have a website and like, but you can't, I never thought about that when I opened up the grant mm. project. Right. And like my title for, I remember when I applied like the night before I made the title, essentially the mission and like on the word doc, I was like rewriting our narrative. That was the title. And so I, it wasn't like how to start a business. Like what, <laughs> like it wasn't like Ruya LLC. The title was rewrite our narrative. And mm-hmm. so I always want to make sure people are not like, to be honest, I'm not a huge coffee snob. Like I don't know everything there is to know about coffee. I'm just, I'm using it as a platform to tell my story about the immigrant dream here in America. I love that. That, that makes so much sense. And again, I just think food is like the perfect way to do sure. that. So sure. Okay. What was that transition like though? So you had this store for three months, people kept asking for it. Like that's a big transition from having this store with this experience to then selling like the package goods only to people. Walk us through what that looked like and how you manage that. Yeah. So, so we had the storefront, it was 10 weeks, three months and we were, okay. I actually have my first packaging right here on my desk. And, oh, you probably can't see it in the podcast, but like, if you look at it, it's literally a brown bag with a stamp. It is so makeshift on the back. It is like handwritten when it was 12, 12, 13, December 13th, I think 2018. And, um, 
just like literally so makeshift. Like I was like, I don't know how long this is like, if I'm going to do this long term, just like, I'm like, what is the lowest cost of entry that I can do? <laughs> it was a brown bag with a stamp on it, my logo, you know, that start small and then get, keep getting better. And now we have like beautiful labels and all that stuff. So um, I'm grateful to like be able to build up to that. But so essentially the transition was the, first of all, the storefront obviously was temporary. My grant was minimal and I, everything was makeshift. So it was really surprising to me that like people thought we were a real thing because at the time I was still working, like I still have a day job, right? Like this is, I would love for this to be my main hustle at some point, but it's still a side hustle. And until it builds up to the point where it is enough to like take care of me and my family, like I'm still going to keep my day job. Um, Cause that's been the mentality the whole time is just like, just keep getting better until it's until eventually it's time. But essentially we closed the storefront mid-November of 2018. And we got phone calls, emails, direct messages on social media. They're like, we came all the way from Columbus or people came from Dayton. Like we planned our whole day around you. <laughs> and wh- what, what, where are you? What are you doing? Like your hours say you're like still here. And I'm like, oh man, like I didn't know people were Googling us. I didn't know people were like actually reading some of the like news headlines that came out. And like, it just, it really was just from social media. I think a lot of it was aesthetically beautiful. So like the small Turkish coffee cups and like the crema on top and like the fortune telling, like everyone was gramming it. Like it was all over the gram. People were tagging us and it was great. But then when we got those calls, I was like, oh, like we're not an establishment. Like (laughs) we are like, this was a project, like this was a grant project And so, but then I was like, oh, I I guess that's proof of concept that people like us. So we started doing pop-ups. I was like, okay, I I can't get a storefront right now, but I'll continue. I'm just popping up around Cincinnati. And so that's what I did. And I went from like cafe to cafe, bar to bar, wherever invited me. And I continued the experience. So um, I did that all of 2019. And at that point, I still didn't have a website. I didn't really have like, uh, probably like two mom and pop shops, like carrier chocolate. And so it was still very much a side hustle and very much people coming for the experience. And then things kind of changed end of 2019 in December when we got like another grant from the Contemporary Arts Center because it's all focused on culture and history. And for a month we had like a physical space in the art center to serve coffee and do fortunes. And that's when, you know, I got accepted into like an accelerator. And so that's, it, it was all just like very slow and steady, but like at the same time, I loved the process of like setting up for these pop-ups. It was so much energy. It was so much energy. It was very draining, but every time like it would be a full house. And I think that's, that's all that I needed to keep going is that I saw people really loved it and looked forward to it and kept asking for it. And so I was just like, this is great. Like, as long as I can keep doing this, like I'm going to keep going. And then obviously Corona hit and we, we shifted to virtual and then started asking for, you know, distribution in stores. Um, Cause I felt like confident enough. I'm like, look at all this data that I've had for the past year and a half, like all of 2019, three, three months of 2018. Like I've done this, I've done pop-ups, I've done farmer's markets, I've done the whole thing. So like put us on shelf and see what happens. And so that that's when I actually felt like confident enough to go to a buyer and talk to them and, and like do this and put it on my website and see, see the sales come in. That's a really cool story. Like I love how you've been able to keep that pop-up piece part of your DNA. 
minus, you know, everything that's happened in 2020, obviously. Um, But keeping that part of your DNA and I, you're right. I'm sure that has like captivated the buyers when you've gone in to talk to them, to be able to share like, Hey, we had this storefront people we're asking for it. Then we've done pop-ups and we've created this experience. That's a really unique way around, I don't know, telling the retailer like why this is different. Like people are used to enjoying this product to create an experience. And at the end of the day, I mean, people are buying emotions that our brands give us and you've been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good line. People buy emotions because so my day job, I work in skincare. And so there are like $400 creams. Right. And we interview these people. I'm like, why are you paying $400 cream when you can get like a $220 cream? And they're like, I just like the way it makes me feel. And I'm like, what, 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 what do you feel? (laughs) So, um, it's the same thing from like industry to industry, product to product. Certain products are going to give you certain feelings and you're going to, people are going to buy into that. But I think I love like all of our messaging. It really does come from the heart with like, we do want people to continue dreaming and being optimistic because like that, that is what I've seen from my parents who are the immigrants, right? I'm first generation. And I think without them dreaming big and following their dreams, like I don't think I would have had the courage or the confidence to do so myself. And so I just, I want to be that person, hopefully for other people as well, even as they drink my coffee or eat my chocolate, like that's what I've been very intentional with the, with the messaging on the packaging is to remember to dream and to remember that like, okay, this girl, I was like 22 when I found out I won the grant, like this girl who had a day job that wasn't happy, like just like went out on a limb and did this and like, you can do it too. What Whatever you want to do, just do it. Like just start super small and like, get traction and just keep it step by step. And so I also read like an, um, I think it's the, the founder of Shake Shack, his book around like how every brand and company should be a hospitality brand, even if you're not in the hospitality industry. Right. So I always want to keep that. Like, I felt like when we were doing the fortune tellings and like had that pop-up experience, it was very hospitality oriented. Like we were like, come sit down. Like you're in my living room, like here, like have this coffee. And I need to be able to, now that I don't have that pop-up because of Corona, like how do I still portray that through digitally um, and then through my product when you, when you see it on shelf. Like I want to be able to still give that feeling of warmth and comfort that I felt in Turkey back in America. How have you been able to bring that experience digitally to people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started uh, when like the quarantine first happened, we started doing Fortune Friday. So like every Friday I would invite an artist usually to um, my platform and I would send them like a Turkish coffee kit. We would have a pre-call like before the live stream goes on to like teach them how to actually make it because it's it's a whole process, right? You have like the fine powder, you put in the e-brick, you like wait like a couple minutes for it to boil and then you put it in this beautiful cup. Um, and so I would like talk them through it and then people would watch it on the live stream. And I, I was very specific on it being an artist because one, I find artists, I want, I want the coffee to be connected to art and culture, right? Because Turkish coffee is a 500 year old tradition. It is seen as art and culture in Turkey. Like it is not just seen as a beverage. It's identified by UNESCO actually as a piece of heritage. So this is something that I see like in museums, right? Like this is the way the sultans and the sultanas drink their coffee in the Ottoman empire. Like this is not just Starbucks, right? And so um, I laugh because every time I say Starbucks, my friends are like, don't say the S word. (laughs) And so, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invite artists and I'm going to do this live stream and I'm going to read the fortunes on, on the podcast or on the podcast, on the live stream. 
and just have a conversation. And it was like, I didn't really have a plan around it. I was just like, I'm going to do this and see what happens. And it's, it was always just like, at a certain point, it like became for me and not like, I think everything you do should be a little bit for you and not for everything for your consumer, even though consumer should come first in mind. But it was, it still gave me so much energy. Cause like one, I wanted to talk to these artists anyways, cause I find them interesting. And then two, like something would come up in the fortune telling process where they just like became a little bit more vulnerable, became a little bit more opened up a little bit, said something that they wouldn't have normally said to like a random group of people that they don't even know who's watching, right? Like people were tuning in from Denmark and like India and like Singapore, like just people from all over, right? This is something that like is very rare. And I think there's just like one other um, who's actually a big role model of mine, Turkish coffee lady, she's in DC person who's doing this in America. And so I brought that digitally through that. And now we're doing um, like digital fortune tellings, like through a hotel chain here in Cincinnati, 21C Museum Hotel. So, right, like you start with like one thing where you're like, I'm going to target artists. And then like this hotel chain that's like about artists and has an art museum in their hotel is like, oh, come do fortune tellings for us. So it's just like, Everything, like the, the mentality, I, the biggest thing I think I feel like I've learned is like, don't have a specific plan long-term because things just end up spiraling and landing in places that are meant to be, right? Like I never planned for 21C to reach out and be like so open to something like this, but they they see it on their platform. Like they, they follow me. And so it's just really nice to know that like people are watching, people want to see you succeed when you're doing something with good intention and just have like your heart in it. And so I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I think it's been really interesting for you because you have been so intentional around the fact that this is around art and culture, while you might not be planning out, oh, it's going to be at this location or at this location, you've been intentional around what is most important to you as a business owner. And then because of that, these pieces start coming out of the woodwork because people know so clearly what you stand for. Like yeah. they know, oh, you're about art, you're about culture, you're about giving the dream, you're about inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. So people get that and they're going to be drawn to you. And I think that's just like, that's your hard work. Like, you know, that's your hard work being intentional towards what you stand for. You haven't been going all over the place. You've stood for, you know, providing this, this dream of the, you know, the immigrant dream in America, which is a really, really powerful one that a lot of people can connect with, whether or not you're an immigrant or not. You're right. I think people do. We genuinely want to see people succeed. And, Mm -hmm. and I think people recognize the difficulty in that with anyone, let alone when you're in a place where it's so different from, you know, what you are maybe used to like back home. I know you are like, your parents are, um, are immigrants and you're like first generation American, but like you see those stark differences. And so you can blend the worlds together and, and make this really unique experience and allow people to see what you know is so wonderful and beautiful um, yeah. about back home. Yeah. And what I'll say about those like two worlds that you mentioned. Um, so there's this, uh, she was actually just in the New York Times yesterday, uh, Zainab Tufekci. She's a, what she calls techno sociologist. So she basically looks at social media and how it changes society, um, whether it's from like Black Lives Matters protests to like political things like um, what's happening with the coronavirus. And so uh, I was reading a little about her bio and she's been calling the shots for a while with like how social media has changed how like human behavior is and one thing that she said about how she like thinks so clearly is that the fact that she grew up 
like her childhood was in Turkey and then in other countries in Europe, but also like working in America. And so like going back and forth between those two worlds, right? It's a first world country, third world country. Also very different, like from a female standpoint, very different roles that females play in society. Granted, like America still has its problems with females in society, but like in Turkey, it's a whole nother ballgame, right? Like, like you just don't see that many female entrepreneurs. And like, I do want to tell a positive story with Turkish females. Like Zainab's a great role model. Um, I hope to one day be a great role model like her for Turkish females. But like, it's just, there's just so many more barriers, right? And like, they're, they're just going against thousands of years of cultural history that they have to go up against, right? And so the thing about that is, is like, when the fact that I got to go to Turkey in summer and see how like females are treated there and like see how hard it is for them and then come back to America and be like, there is no way I am taking this opportunity for granted because, you know, you, you grow up and you see like what it's like in another country and then you come back here and you're like, okay, let's go. Like, let's do something. Let's like, like, let's actually like pave the way for more people to be able to do things like this because like, I don't want to be the only one standing up there. Like as like, a Turkish female entrepreneur, first generation Turkish man, whatever you want to call it, immigrant. I, I want, I want to have a tribe. I want to have more people who look like me and are represented. And so I think that's why it's like just so easy or not easy, but like, like my path, my vision, my mission is clear. And if you buy into that, great, please support. If you don't, you can unfollow, you can unsubscribe. <laughs> like I, I don't need you in my, in my tribe. And so I do hope to change hearts and minds. And that's why I do it through coffee and chocolate because it's easier to do it when people are a little happier <laughs> to like listen to the story but at the end of the day like I just whether you know whether the product changes from coffee or chocolate to like beer or ice cream I don't care what it is it's about getting the message across and I think like you said in the beginning food is food is a great way to do that well and you raise a really interesting point too about the fact that you like you don't take it for granted with how much opportunity you have like you are able to recognize because I think sometimes we we all forget we forget the amazing opportunities that are in front of us and you can just go in and be like heck I can do I can do anything I'm gonna set my mind to here um, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful spirit to go in with and to really make positive change because yeah we really can do a lot more than we think and we kind of forget with everything going on um, so I think that's just a, a great reminder and you're company has been a great example of that. And you've been a great example of that. Oh, thanks. I got a little gift sponge. <laughs> it's, it's all about the Rhea. It's about the dream. And I don't, maybe it's not forget. I think it's just like catching the like small opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like that you're just like, instead of like, so I do this a lot with like when I'm watching people's stories or like looking on Instagram, like it, right. It's a tool um, for you to connect with other people. And so instead of like, if someone, if you see a job opening, right. Instead of just like scrolling past it, be like, wait, how can I leverage this email to not like apply for the job, but get a conversation with the buyer, right? Like, how do you, how do you like leverage these like small, like, how do you play the game? Right. Cause it's all about gatekeepers or getting to the right people. Everything, there's a person behind every process. There's a person behind every like decision. So how do you, how do you form the right relationships and get to the right people to like make your dream come true? That is truly how I see the game or like chasing the dream is literally just like, is talking to people really. (laughs) That's about it. I think. 
in some ways. It's so true. It's like we've kind of forgot that that's the key behind everything. Like if there is a human being that you need to convince to line their grocery store shelves with the product to give you grant money to, you know, buy your product, whatever it may be. Um, it's human. Again, it comes back to this emotion piece. It's like you need to play on someone's like emotions to get them to buy whatever it is that you're selling. And whether that be the dream, whether that be um, listing your product or whatever that is, you're getting them to emotionally buy into that. And then their logical brain will be more open to things as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. (laughs) Persuasion architecture. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What's one of the things that you wish you knew at the beginning of all of this that you've now, you know, figured out, you know, you're about two, two and a half years in? It'll be two years, September 7th. Got yeah, it. Got two. it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's different two years. Like there's the two years when I was under a tent on a, on the street selling. And there's the two years of like when I, when I had the storefront. So the storefront, right. September 7th. Yeah. Right. So almost two years in, um, yeah. What do you wish that you knew back then that you now know? That's a great question because I think we learn things as we're supposed to. Like, I don't think there's like this like timeline or like deadline of like, oh, I would like, I should have known that back then. No, you shouldn't have known that two years ago because you were figuring out something else. Uh, So like, it's okay. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, ah, I should have known that. Or I wish I knew that. And it's like, no, it's, you're like learning it now. And now is the right time for you to learn it because back then you were learning something else and you just didn't have the mind space. But so I I feel like one, give yourself some peace and give your, give, I want to just be like, don't create that narrative in your head because that's just going to create, um, unnecessary stress and frustration. But to like, just looking back in general, I would want to tell myself, like, be patient, right? Like, I wish I had known how long just things take. Like, things just take, everything takes longer than you want it to. And so anything from, like, making chocolate bars to, like, choosing a, like, literally talking to the printer to choose a the right hue of the right color to go on my new packaging took, like, six weeks of emails back and forth. I was like, dude, call me. Like, this is taking too long. <laughs> like, it's just like, I would say, I wish I had known if that, if like, I have to answer that question is just like how long things take and to remember to always be patient and that like things will come. Like, this is an endurance game. This is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Like pace yourself. And like, there have definitely been days where I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, push, like just get on the shelf. Like, come on, just order something. Like get the POs out. Like, let's go. Um, or like, let's get that grant. And like, there are definitely days where I'm just like sprinting and then I burn myself out. Right. And then I'm just like, and then I, that's when, you know, I'm a grumpy founder. I like, don't want to talk to anyone. Like I want to leave the city because I'm like pissed off when everyone's like, how's Ruya going? I'm like, why am I pissed off? Like people are genuinely interested in knowing how my company's going. And I'm just like, mad. like, why am I mad? Like, it's because I'm working too hard on it. That is just like, out of the like pace that I need to be going at. And so one thing is just remembering like go at your pace, like to the point where you're like not mad all the time. <laughs> like you need to be a happy, good founder. Um, because when you like part of the reason like people like the brand is because like they buy into the founder story, right? Like the Ria is the brand name, but like, you know, a lot of my heart is in the brand. And so I think just remembering be patient. Things things will work out if they're meant to work out. And if at the end of the day, like people don't want it, hey, I'll make something else. That's okay. Um, I think the mission and the story will always be there, whether I'm doing like speeches or if I'm like selling the story over a 
Turkish coffee. Like it, it doesn't matter. I think I'm genuinely passionate about this type of work and who knows what, what it'll transform into. I don't know if I'll get into politics. I don't know if I'll continue with business. Like they, I think um, just being flexible and open to, to different types of positions, but patient at the same time. I think that's really fair. Um, things always take way longer than we think. And just recognize the step that you're in right now and the step that you're going to move into next and be okay with that, knowing that it's all going to it's all gonna unfold how it's supposed to unfold. I'm a really big believer of that as well. For sure. For sure. As long as there's passion, people will follow. Yeah. 100%. 100%. What are you guys working on now um, that's kind of giving you some new learning opportunities, if you will, around the business. And I say learning opportunities because I don't really believe in challenges. I think everything is just (laughs) learning opportunities. (laughs) 100%. I agree. I would say, okay, so we've been like getting on shelves at like small grocers, mom and pop coffee shops, blah, blah, blah. The learning opportunity I've had there is um, there is a lot of obviously relationship building and like timelines to like keep in mind and to like follow up on and there's just like a lot of admin work right and so I'm been just trying to like because I do this in my day job like right I look at digital marketing I look at e-commerce and so how do you continue to ramp up um your d2c um especially like subscriptions with something like coffee I feel like it's a very staple thing that like you need on a monthly basis or at least I do <laughs> and so um, just looking at those types of strategies and like, I almost feel like I know what I need to do. Like I need to get all of the articles, like the news articles that are on my, like out in the ether onto my website. So my search engine optimization goes up. I need to get like more user generated content, more ratings and reviews, like beautiful images, like all of these things that I know I need to do it, again, all takes time, right? Like I need to get beautiful t- photography. Like let's go and shoot images. Like it's a lot of time and energy. And it's like, how do I balance sending all these emails to these buyers? Cause one, they're like the ones that are consistently ordering versus like, how do I get my DTC up at the same time? And so while keeping a day job, right? Like working nights and weekends on, on your passion project. And so I think that's, that's the biggest learning opportunity is when the market is changing so quickly from people buying in store to online. How do you keep up with that trend of like, seeing it physically on shelf helps it's it's like a marketing vehicle right like when they see it on shelf it's it's like you have a mini billboard in a way like you at least people see it and they see the name to like getting them to order online because at the end of the day like from a from a business standpoint that's a lot better right like you're not having to pay the retailer a portion of your give them a portion of your margin and so i know this is a food founders podcast so like i'm sure a lot of founders are thinking the same thing yeah, so that's kind of like the thing I'm I'm working on. I'm always like, if anyone's listening out there that like wants to jam on ideas or like connect on failures or like successes, I, I love connecting on that type of stuff. Um, I'm also continuing to help hopefully like build my food founders network. And so happy, happy to talk. Please slide into the DMs. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that's really important. And, and and I don't know, there's something about the food and beverage industry. I just feel like it pulls in the best type of founders. Clearly, I'm a little biased, but I feel like it's a great community of people that are genuinely wanting to help each other, which is fantastic. Um, so people yeah. do want to connect with you. Where where can they find you? Uh, great transition. <laughs> 
You can find us on Instagram at R-U-Y-A underscore Cincy. So C-I-N-C-Y. So Ria underscore Cincy or on Facebook at Ria Coffee. Or you can email us from our website, riacoffee.com. So any email us, DM us, inbox us, anything. Awesome. We'll check them. Awesome. <laughs> well, this is such a great story and you're working on something that's so much bigger than the product that you're selling, which is amazing. So thank you for sharing the story and thanks for just sharing this important message as a whole to people across the country, across the globe about the Turkish culture and about this American dream. Yeah. I look forward to continuing to watch you grow and see you in more stores and who knows where else you'll end up being in the future, but I definitely see big, big things uh, in your future, which is exciting. Thank you. And as we say at Ria, sip small, dream big. So I appreciate it. it. Don't forget that. Love that. Thank you so much. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, FAB standing for food and beverage. You'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.